Hello, everybody, and welcome. As we all know, the Russia-Ukraine war has had a really dramatic impact on many people's lives. And just to be clear, I know most of you out there are not here to hear me talk about geopolitics in any way, but I do think that there are a number of implications that this war has on not only society, economy, things like that, various industries, but on the gaming industry in particular. So today, I wanted to focus on that aspect of the war, basically impact of the Russia-Ukraine war to game development, and with more of a focus on mobile free-to-play, because that's the, the industry that I'm focused in. But to help us understand this situation and a lot of the implications, especially to those companies in Russia and the Ukraine, we have with us today Boris Kalmykov. Did I pronounce your name, your last name? Wow, Properly, that's, uh, th that's actually very good. I'm surprised, okay. but that's very good, yeah. CEO of Hype Masters. And Boris, just to give us a little bit of your background and to provide a little bit of street cred for you and to, to allow the audience to understand why you have a particular insight into Russia and Ukraine, could you tell us a little bit more about your background and kind of your company, Hype Masters? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, firstly, I'd like to actually like to thank you, Joe, for uh, you know inviting me and speaking about this topic. I know it's going to be probably very controversial and uh, probably going to have a lot of comments, but I think it's important to cover it. I think it's important to kind of share like what people are going through and you know talk about right. it openly instead of you know the uh, backstages or backdoors where people are just, you know, whispering about it. It's really cool to right. kind of face it, uh, face to face, uh, the issue. And yeah, if we talk about me, I'm uh, ethnically Russian, so I was born in Moscow. Uh, but then uh, when I was around 10 years old, I moved to the UK. So right now I live in the UK, uh, in Hampshire, actually in Lymington, which is a small, uh, you know, sea town. Um, not to be yeah. confused with Lemington Spa, right? <laughs> no, not to be confused with Lemington Spa, <laughs> which right. is a different, uh, yeah, it's a different right. area, different county. I'm in Hampshire in Lemington, yeah. Um, cool, which is next to Isle of Wight. Um, and yeah, my career uh, kind of started uh, far away from gaming, actually after university where I started international relations, uh, which is kind of the topic where we are, which we are discussing. Um, mm -hmm. I went to Goldman Sachs and I was an analyst there for interest rate trade derivatives. Um, which is like super far uh, from gaming. But then I got at one day, you know, I knew this wasn't for me. And uh, I got a report about Wargaming and how much money they're making, you know, how big of a studio they are, how big of a business they are. I actually understood that gaming can be a good business. And, um, you know, it really struck me because I'm a passionate gamer from, you know, uh, early days in Russia where, you know, my neighborhood was super tough. And the only thing I could do really safely is to play games. So I was a World of Warcraft fan and, you know, all the RTS fan, like uh, I played StarCraft and Command and Conquer, Red Alert. So this is kind of my childhood. Um, and yeah, then I just moved into games. I started my career at Unity, um, where I was helping devs uh, with monetization and analytics efforts. I worked with companies like Playrix, Rovio, you know, Wargaming, uh, all the major European guys actually helping them use Unity tools. And then I was doing a little bit of the same in Facebook, um, kind of uh, being one of their first like kind of gaming uh, oriented uh, salespeople. And uh, from then I started Hype Masters. And Hype Masters is a studio um, which basically brings in all my aspirations in games. Um, we are here to build legendary and genre defining games. 
that players all over the world can play for years. I know that might sound familiar, but you know, this <laughs> is the stuff that I'm actually excited about. I really want to build a studio that is uh, purposefully doing that. Um, and uh, in terms of the composition, uh, Hype Masters is uh, around 30 people right now, uh, and you know, we are building uh, a classic RTS for mobile, which you have seen, you know, last week at GDC, I've shown you. Um, and yeah, in, in terms of... Uh, Looks great, by the way. Thank you, thank you. I'm, I'm keen to share with anyone who wants it, so please put it in your comment, like if you want uh, a copy, I'll send you a test flight so you can have a play. Um, but yeah, we are... Um, the thing about our city is that, obviously, I've told you that I live in the UK, but 80% of our people uh, actually were based in Russia until recently. So we are touched by this crisis quite heavily. And uh, yeah, I want to share a little bit about it. Right. And you also have investment from Russian companies, right, or publishers? Um, we, uh, not as of now. Uh, we actually, oh, okay. Okay. yeah, we are funded by uh, one VC is from US, the other one is from Cyprus, which is linked to Russia, but again, it's legally a Cyprus company. Got it. Okay. Um, the one, the other one is Turkish, and the other one is okay. Finnish. So we have a good Got composition it. of worldwide. Uh, okay, so getting into like the impact. So you, you mentioned eighty percent of your company is in Russia. Can you speak to like in in terms of like your company, your situation, your employees? What has the impact of the war been, and what how, how and also just kind of like what is their mindset right now? How are they thinking? Is this I can't imagine it's easy for anybody, but it'd be great no. to get like, you know, firsthand account of like how this is impacting people. <clears throat> yeah. So first of all, I just want to say that uh, if we talk about toughness, I think it's the toughest on Ukrainian studios. You know, I have a lot of friends who sure. run businesses in Ukraine studios like uh, they are, you know, we, we share the same investors, etc. So they literally continue developing games whilst being bombarded, which is pretty incredible. So none of what I'm going to say about my studio compares to that, you know. Uh, this is like physical danger. For us, it's more about, you know, psycholo psychology and fears and uh, um, some economic impact. So in terms of our studio, uh, well, obviously, no one has expected anything like this to happen. Literally, like I was right. visiting St. Petersburg in February. I was reading Bloomberg and I was like, ah, this is nuts. Like nothing like this would ever happen. Like Russia is not the kind of state that would invade uh, other states uh, so openly. But then it did happen. And, uh, you know, in the first week, uh, we had already one person leaving Russia for Turkey, uh, kind of uh, saying that he, you know, he's fearful and he's anxious. And that basically spread around really quickly. So I would say that um, majority of like our team is uh, is really anxious and fears about the future, their future, their relatives, and you know their and again another one, the big one is the perception of Russians. You know, like it's all about. Um, we keep hearing in the news that there's this culture of cancellation where basically a Russian equals aggressor equals um, equals Putin kind of thing. And that's the kind right. of the major fear is that, you know, we're so far away from it as game developers. Like, like literally until like a, uh, a month ago, I've, I, hasn't, I have never been reading politics for like, you know, since my degree. Um, so now I'm kind of, I'm kind of doing the same, I'm constantly reading about politics. And uh, right. for my team, it's, uh, it's a lot of anxiety. It's a lot of uh, kind of uncertainty. Thankfully, like for our company, we've been able to, you know, support the team. We've been able to pay them. We've been able to help them with relocation. 
Uh, but that's uh, not every not every studio can afford that, I would say. Right. And we've been pretty lucky since we just have this connection with the West. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it's it, it's tough, and most of it is psychological. Most of it is fears, and most of it is um, you know perception of their future and perception of the future for 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 them being Russian in this world. Yeah. Right. In in terms of like the employees that you said were in Russia, you you helped relocate them. How many did opt for that option of relocating, and where where did they go? Yeah, so we have around fifty percent of our studio out of Russia right now. So, okay. uh, you know, we have. Uh, I've just you know I'm sitting in the room in a conference room where I've met with my guys in Turkey uh, in Istanbul, and we had like nine people here today with me. Um, okay. We have more people in Armenia and Georgia. So these are the countries where actually a lot of the Russians moved to because these were the countries that were still open for kind of to go to. Um, as you know, like all the, a, a lot of the air traffic has been stopped between Russia and Europe. So there were no, there are no planes for flying between Russia and let's say UK or Spain or somewhere. So people yeah. had limited choices in terms of where they could go. They could either go to Asia which is, you know, um, less uh, politicized uh, right now. Like yeah. they could go to Malaysia or to Dubai, or they can could go closer to Armenia, Georgia, or Turkey. And obviously, uh, you know, our team have, has decided closer because it's closer to their relatives, closer to me as a as a founder. I could visit them quite easily in these countries. Um, that's that's the situation, and that's right. what's happening to a lot of studios. You could see that, you know, I've been speaking to a lot of the developers, a lot of founders. And that's what happens to everyone right now. Like a lot of their people are in these three countries uh, kind of concentrated there um, right. and continuing and, to work and, from these countries. Got it. And Boris, for those Russian employees who did choose to relocate, what's the, the motivation behind moving out of Russia? I mean, obviously, it's not like they're the ones starting the war, but <laughs> is it because of sanctions? Is it because of the potential to get, you know, um, may, maybe get, enlisted into into a war or something like that or what what's the primary motivation sure the primary motivation is a total uncertainty um so as okay. i said before no one actually was expecting this war to happen so when it right. hit uh it kind of switched on the mindset oh anything can happen in this world <laughs> you know yeah, so all the potential fears kind of yeah. went blue so oh can i get conscripted yeah sure and you know the government wasn't giving any good signs. Like we we had um, you know so, some of the uh, MPs in in Russia, which is like uh, you know a congressman uh, in the U.S. They were basically suggesting that anyone who protests the war uh, would go to the front lines to Donbas, and you know this is pretty rough. Like mm -hmm. if you consider like uh, if you consider uh, what's happening, and so the people were the primary mo motivation was major uncertainty and fear of physical um, either punishment or, you know, fear of not being able to choose what you do. Uh, right. But for some people, actually, uh, apart from that, like primary motivation of just to survive and continue living a normal life, uh, it was right. also about like, uh, you know, comfort of living because a lot of the Western companies have been leaving Russia uh, or, um, you know, uh, all the major services actually linked to game development have uh, not been able to continue operating. Like uh, if we talk right. about 
Adobe, like Photoshop, uh, the tool that every artist uses pretty much. Uh, or yeah. if we talk about JetBrains and, you know, Writer, like also used by a lot of the developers, uh, these companies have just not been able to continue offering licenses to Russian um to, to Russian companies, and that gives a lot of problems. You know, you could VPN it, you, you, like you know, a lot of the people are doing in China, but that's <laughs> a lot of hustle. And if you also add to the fact that you know a lot of chip processors like AMD and Intel they've stopped shipping stuff to Russia, um, and Samsung has stopped shipping phones. Um, oh, wow. You know, we are we are developers, so we need test phones. We right. need like uh, we need computers, and all of this right. is like. Uh, it, it's basically less available right now. So to continue operating as a studio, it just becomes tougher. Obviously, with time, everything will readjust and these products will flow through third countries like Kazakhstan, for example. I can see a lot of this happening, but it's just going to be harder, more expensive and uh, yeah, a, a lot more hectic uh, Yeah, than right. let's say if we were to be located in the Netherlands, <laughs> for example. Right. And to your point about you mentioned there, there are some some Russians anyway are concerned about the perception about them as people. I will say so. We actually at Lila we employ you know one person in Russia, and you know we have a number of open job roles. And he and you know when I talked to him once and he was like, yeah, the I know some folks here, but they're Russian. So I'm like, what, what are you talking about? You know, <laughs> I mean, I, I love people. I love Russians. You know, it's it's yeah. and so I I think that. To your point, there may be a little bit of a perception that there's a stigma to Russian people. And I, I really hope they understand that, at least for someone like myself. I mean, I, I view people as people. And I, I think, you know, my my assumption would be the vast majority of the world uh, thinks that way. Or that's my hope that, that that's how most people would think. But yeah, I do think that that's unfortunate that um, there may be, to your point, some people who think that there are some biases that people have or even like resentment or something. Whereas, you know, uh, I, I, at least speaking for myself and for a lot of the people at our company, we, we just think about people as people. Yeah, that's, I think, a really big takeaway from this podcast. I think that's how it should continue, you know, like with right. especially our industry. Uh, we're quite a young industry. Uh, and we're quite a liberal industry, and I think it should be like this. You know, Ukrainians, Russians, uh, uh, Belarusians, you know, um, I, I don't see a problem with people working together even after this, you know, drastic events. Um, but people are people at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm like, we're, we're crazy bastards. I, I try to actually get some people from Pakistan to, to move to India too. <laughs> that didn't quite work out, but uh, yeah. Um, so maybe like one other question I could ask before I ask about specific companies, you know, more famous companies or bigger mm -hmm. companies that have been impacted by this is when you think about Russia and Ukraine, what are the types of, when, when thinking about the game industry, certainly there are certain regions that are really great at specific areas. You know, Latinam has great artists, for example, mm -hmm. you know, Canada has great more like AAA you know, like high fidelity type of expertise. But when, when you think about Russia and Ukraine, what types of talent do you typically see? And, you know, my, my perception is like someone who doesn't know that much, but, you know, I generally think about like shooters or war type of games. So, you know, probably like... Net kind of a game we're developing. Like a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, could you speak to that in terms of like tendencies of the talent in Russia and Ukraine? Yeah, actually, you know, when I was uh, preparing for our chat, uh, I was thinking that, oh, uh, it's mobile, uh, free-to-play. 
because we have Plerics, you know, we have a lot of talent from Plerium, right. we have Nexters, Maitona, uh, Melsoft, you know, all these yep. famous, famous studios. But then I remember, oh, Escape from Tarkov as well is from Russia. Oh, Wargaming yeah. is also yeah. from, that, you know, Belarus. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So mm -hmm. uh, it's actually, the talent is quite widespread. And um, when, I when I think about, like, the core competencies, I would say the dev talent is definitely, you know, the developers, who, the in the Unity developers or Unreal developers, the guys who code uh, is the resource right. that a, a lot of the companies, even when I was working at Facebook, you would see like a WhatsApp team consisting like 50% of Russian people. Um, yeah. So is the developers, is the major talent, you know, and that's, I think that's why, you know, if we talk about talent and, you know, shooter games and war games and multiplayer games, these are, I would say, uh, tougher games to make simply because multiplayer, yeah. it requires really good ping, it requires really good server connection. Um, that's the strength. Uh, and the strength comes from the fact that, you know, still, if we look at USSR, there was a really strong mathematical school um, yes. in the region. There were a lot of scientists, um, you know, physicists, and a lot of the companies actually sprawl from it. You know, if we talk about and the everybody biggest, plays uh, chess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a, that's a misconception. Although when I was at school, I was playing okay. a lot of chess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to follow the stereotypes, and when I was in the UK school, I joined the chess club, and uh, yeah, I was trying to be Russian. <laughs> okay. um, uh, yeah, I mean, like from the technical schools, uh, we had, um, you know, there's a big company called Yandex. It's basically Google for Russia. Uh, the guys mm -hmm. went from, you know, uh, the um, physics uh, school uh, near Physics University near Moscow. And th that's where the talent is. Right now, there are also a lot of, uh, you know, growing talents in game design and art as well. Like there are a lot of out outsourced studios in Ukraine, in Russia, um, who are serving major AAA developers like EA or, you know, uh, Riot or who, who, you, you name it. Um, I, I've seen a lot of artists working for these bigger companies. Right. And so maybe now shifting to like these big companies, you mentioned a few of them, Playrex, Plarium, <laughs> and certainly some of these companies have, I imagine, employees in both countries. So you got to imagine that's a really, really challenging situation my my belief would be that these companies that are in both geographies would naturally be seriously impacted but um yeah what have you heard or how, how do you think these companies are being impacted yeah so just a disclaimer i'm not linked to this company so i'm just going <laughs> to talk rumors uh which is what this uh this is about i love rumors <laughs> yeah this is all about rumors right so not, not nothing factual just yeah. rumors um right. but any big company is actually linked to all three countries right wargaming has huge offices in minsk uh, in kiev and in moscow and st petersburg um, Playrix is the same. Uh, from what I've heard, they have like 1,500 employees in Ukraine, 1,500 mm -hmm. in Russia, a few hundred in Belarus. So all these companies actually draw from talent pools in all these countries. And, uh, you know, so far from what I've been hearing, well, firstly, all these companies are trying to help and relocate as many people as they can. There are restrictions to what they can do, obviously, because in Ukraine, uh, if you are a man, you cannot leave the country you you have to stay and you know uh, because it's literally military mobilization there um, 
but you know women and children can leave and i think that's where these companies are helping the most um so there's a lot of effort and i think the whole region is kind of concentrated on helping their people which is really cool to see you know everyone goes back to basics where human you know we should you know work this out we should uh, right. uh you know leave this but obviously uh on the rumor side obviously there's a lot of pressure um you know because if you're imagine if you're a ukrainian being bombarded you literally it's the worst situation that could have been yeah uh, highly emotional to you and your life Yes, yeah, super yeah. emotional. And I see a lot of my even friends and people who I follow on like Facebook and Instagram, they get super emotional. Uh, they get, you know, they post every day about the situation. And I totally can understand that. And obviously, they are putting a lot of pressure on their executives to kind of speak up against the war and speak up um, against what's happening. I think uh, they, you know, it's fair that they're they're doing it. But um, at the other end, if executives speak up, they put in danger all the, you know, thousands of employees in Russia. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. imagine if you're a playrix and you speak up and you have 2,000 people there. And the government has yeah. been, uh, you know, unpredictable by this point. Like, right. we do not know what to expect. We don't know whether to expect support or, you know, something else. Like, um, right. So and, they don't want and to certainly risk it. like, right. And certainly a lot of the employees in Russia through no fault of their own, or even, even us in the U S what we hear in terms of the media and what's actually going on. I mean, everyone is living in a different kind of context of what right versus wrong is. And, you know, I, and, and so you could have very divergent opinions through no one's, I, I would say no one's particular fault just because of like, what you're hearing and how you're understanding the situation, which may come from a completely different context, whether, and, the, I, I, and I think that's one of the faults that we have in the West is we have like this very Western, like, no, this is the right way. This is exactly how it should be. But, you know, I, I think we should also understand that different people in different countries with different contexts might have different opinions. And yep. then in this, in, in a war case, things could get very emotional Things and get so very emotional. Imagine. There's a lot of propaganda on every single side, and you know, every side. Far, that's, yeah, that's right. and as far as in a, as far as a business person, entrepreneur, I actually, I just wrote a piece about uh, it today about my principles of, um, uh, you know, crisis management. I try to stay uh, okay. apolitical. I do not judge any side simply because I do not know the facts. I, I'm not on the right. ground. I'm not here to judge. I'm here to help my people. Uh, to get out of right. any situation they are in. And I think that's what like a lot of these big companies are taking. Um, but yeah, it's increasingly difficult. And I, I can imagine like people, you know, privately being very political about, you, you know, about what's happening. And obviously that creates internal divisions in studios uh, or between people or between teams. But hey, okay. uh, <laughs> and just for the audience, I'll, I'll put a link to your what, to the paper that you wrote or the, the post yeah. that you wrote in, in, in the show notes. So if you're in the audience, be sure to check that out. I, I will definitely read it as well myself. It's in English as well. It's my first piece. In English. <laughs> I've been writing in Russian <laughs> <That> before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. So I, I think um, in terms of like other impacts, I thought we could talk about some of the other potential disruptions. You know, we certainly have sanctions, you know, it was really difficult. And by the way, thank you so much, Boris, you know, so at Lila, we do have someone in Russia. It was a pain in the ass to try to get, get him paid. <laughs> right? It's like, no, this bank doesn't work. This bank doesn't work. This bank doesn't work. He's like, ah, Has it worked for but you I, I, 
Uh, yeah, it, it did. Yeah, I, I was able to, to to get it through. But um, that's amazing. And and it, it and, and yeah, and again, thank you so much for you know for helping me out and giving me advice and stuff like that. But in terms of like potential disruptions, and we we have the current sanctions that you mentioned are uh, you mentioned already in terms of like certain ships not being sent to Russia, maybe the inability to access equipment in Russia. But and and just to be clear, I'm pretty. I, I'm like you. I try to be apolitical. I, I try to not have an opinion on sanctions or not. But I mean, these are real. So could you talk more about like you know some of the potential impacts in in terms of you know if the if the war gets drawn out, what do you think could happen in terms of whether it's additional disruptions or additional sanctions, and how, where how do you think this plays out? And by the way, um, just just for the audience, I I think that. At least from my side, and I'm not even, you know, in Russia. We we have, you know, one kind of um, person wor- working with us in Russia. But like, you know, I tried to apply for a Silicon Valley bank bank account application, and they were like, all these. I was like, what is this? Like all this disclosure. Who are all my stakeholders? Are they related to Russia? And I'm just like, oh my god, you know, yeah. like all this paperwork, all this stuff. So you could tell, like, a lot of the banks are really like getting laser focused in on, on the sanction stuff. And so I'm just a little bit concerned about where this could potentially go, but I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that for us? Yeah, sure. Uh, so in terms of sanctions, obviously uh, the biggest sector that has been hit is banking. Um, and, you know, we've talked about, uh, we've talked a little bit about it, but I just want to expand a little bit further as well, because it's actually sure. a huge problem. Um you know, as far as sanctions go, actually only a few entities are sanctioned. Um, but a lot of the banks have um, been quite liberal in terms of stopping all transactions with Russia, uh, simply for, for reasons that I do not understand. Um, maybe they don't have a big compliance team. Maybe they just want to stay out of the region. But even like uh, our bank in the UK, Revolut, it's founded by a Russian guy and a Ukrainian guy. And... Um, you know, they stopped all transactions to Russia. And I know they have a team there, a huge team there. It's actually their biggest dev center, as far as I know, Um, which is kind of like uh, what is happening, right? So I think um, uh, it's, uh, again, for banks, I think it's a lot of uncertainty. It's a lot more work. So that's why, you know, they need to make sure that they adhere to sanctions. Otherwise, they might get penalized by the government. And, you know, from my times at Goldman Sachs, uh, I know that, you know, especially big banks, they take it very seriously. So um, any any kind of hint towards this being linked to a sanctioned entity will stop trade completely. Um, so I think that's very important. And, uh, you know, uh, some banks uh, are still continuing doing business with Russia. And I'm really thankful for that because we can continue operating. Um, but yeah, this is kind of the biggest field, uh, and it not only concerns uh, businesses sending money to businesses, it concerns people being able to, uh, you know, withdraw money. So for example, Visa and MasterCard, uh, they said basically that Russian people cannot use, uh, Visa and MasterCard overseas. So my guys in Turkey, when they came here, uh, you you know, they couldn't use their bank cards, which is like crazy. Um. I'm glad that uh, Russia created its own payment system and, you know, it's accepted in Turkey, which is like a miracle, you know, that it actually happened. Um, But yeah, this is like the biggest, uh, the biggest thing. I would say the other major um, 
thing with regards to sanctions, it's linked closer to risks um, and people being more cautious. Actually, you know, again, all this chips been withdrawn. It's nothing to do with sanctions. It's companies uh, taking a position. Um, <clears throat> so they just want to disassociate themselves with the market, with the government. Uh, they don't want to um, be present there um, for this or that reason. Maybe they have logistical issues like some car automakers. They didn't stop because, you know, they were sanctioned or they wanted to stop business. But it's just because it became increasingly difficult logistically to to send their products. Um, I, I think it's a lot more like... Uh, what we when we talk about sanctions, it's actually a lot more about risks, a risk for your business, risk for you dealing with the Russian, and you like people and companies being cautious. Um, let's take an example uh, of like let's say an investor, a VC looking to invest in a gaming studio. Um, <clears throat> you know, the, one of the risks that they have to consider now is whether the company has a you know a risk of the majority of their developers being shut down in the country right. similar to North Korea. You know. Um, right. And that's kind of uh, the, that's kind of what stops uh, a lot of the deals right now. I, I, I hear in the industry is that because uh, you know Ukraine and Russia, there is a war. There's so much uncertainty, and they just don't want to associate themselves and putting themselves into the risk where you put 10 million in the company and it cannot operate for a year, let's say, or it has to spend like half of this money on relocating people. Um, this is uh, this is kind of the major thing uh, in terms of you know sanctions and effects of the whole like community um, <clears throat> being like withdrawing from Russia. Mm, obviously, uh, that that's kind of in terms of where I see this is going. Um, I'm an optimist by nature. I think uh, you know as an entrepreneur you have to be an optimist. Otherwise, why the hell do you start a business? <laughs> you, right. know, you would think it would shut down tomorrow. Um, yeah. So, so, so I'm an optimist, and I think you know. Hopefully, this conflict will be over soon. Um, and as far as uh, I see, I think a lot of the companies um, gradually will start coming back. But uh, you know, I think a lot of the people are still going to be concerned about Russian government and its leadership. And it's going to be a slow process. It's not going to be like instantaneous. Ah, okay, Russia stop war. Let's go back. Uh, it's going to be like uh, step by step. You know, going back into the market. And by the time it happens, you'll have a whole load of Chinese companies invading Russian market because that's what literally the Chinese ambassador in Moscow said. Hey, Chinese entrepreneurs, there's so much opportunity. Look at these companies withdrawing. Like, open up now. <laughs> you know? um, so uh, it potentially, you know, like it's going to be a different world right now where uh, Russia's, uh, you know, its focus is definitely going to be more to the east for at least, you know, a few years. And um, that's that's going to be like uh, another country completely. Uh, before that, it was really, you know, Western. If you visit Moscow and St. Petersburg, it's really developed, really Western. Um, now it's probably going to be a lot more, you know, um, you know, think people like losing their jobs, things shutting down, and then new economy emerging from like different areas of the world. Right. And speaking to your point about like businesses exiting, and you know, maybe some Chinese entrepreneurs trying to move in and things like that. One of the topics that has come up from time to time, especially when Trump was president in the U.S., was this notion of splinternet meaning you know that there would be kind of a geographical um, kind of you know um, geographical kind of separation where you know for example in India you know a number of Chinese games and apps have been blocked 
including like Green and Free Fire, PUBG was blocked. Uh, in China, a lot of um, you know U.S. games and apps are are blocked. Um, in if sanctions go further, um, do you have any specific thoughts in terms of SplinterNet? Do you, do you think it happens? Does that open up opportunities for game developers in any way? And we have seen that. To your point about voluntary kind of sanctions, we have seen a number of game companies that have kind of exited, right? Like I or, or have kind of stopped um, their games being distributed in in Russia. But wondering if you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, um, sure. Um, so in a sense, Splinternet has been happening in Russia for a bit now, right? So I've mentioned there's a local Google, which is Yandex, uh, and it's actually right. quite a powerful engine and it really rivals Google in the market. And, right. you know, this particular company, Yandex, they have their own taxi services. They And they actually acquired Uber, local Uber, which is funny. Usually Uber is the one acquiring companies. Right. Um, so in, in Russia, Splinternet has existed for for a bit, um, not to the same sense as China, uh, but I think it might move towards the same direction where you know, like content will be needed to be approved by the government, and uh, I can totally see it happening. Uh, to be honest with you, um, and in terms of the opportunities uh, for developers, I think um, to be honest with you, Russia is. Uh, much smaller market than China, and Splinternet can only work only to to a point, right? Uh, it cannot be to the same magnitude. You can't you can't have um, Tencent growing out of Russia market because it's simply much smaller. Um, you can have local companies like creating games for local uh, communities, and there are some big gaming companies again, which have uh, like their biggest audiences in Russia, like for example, Wargaming and World of Tanks. This is a good example of a company that basically exists in the Russian market and is this is their main audience and this is their main paying audience um, but there, it can only go so far uh, it's not it's never going to be the same the, as big as China and for some of the companies it's never gonna create the same you know uh, economics you, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have a possibility to build the same kind of services. For example, like uh, you probably won't have local messenger. It will never become like super popular, <laughs> um, right. like WeChat, right? You, you have Telegram, which is also created by a Russian dude, uh, Pavel Durov, um, but he is a much more like he's an international guy now. Like he, I think he lives in Dubai and he's been running company outside of Russia for a long time now. Um, so there's definitely going to be a lot less opportunity. Um, right. there, there, there are definitely going to be companies. Uh, for, I don't know whether you've heard, but Sberbank, like the biggest bank in Russia, they've launched their gaming division and they are focusing okay. on a particular market, Russian market. Um, okay. So they're definitely going to move in, but no, yeah. I, I, I don't imagine it to be huge. Right. Although I would say like maybe the, the other, the flip side of the splinter net is like Russian companies going out. But I mean, to the point about maybe from a organ legal entity perspective, there might be like Russian companies that are either organized in like Ireland or Cyprus or something like that. So, I would say 90% of Russian companies are organized in this way already. So Okay. So yeah. there may be some issues about, you know, blocking the quote unquote Russian company because they may be organized somewhere else. But um, that would probably, to your point, it probably be that would be the bigger impact if there was a splinter net. If those companies were blocked from exporting to other markets rather than kind of importing in, into Russia, 
Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, to this point, like, uh, you know, a majority of the companies who are operating globally, they have headquarters elsewhere, like they don't have headquarters in Russia. Uh, and this happens because, um, you know, there are certain uh, laws in Russia, which literally prevent you from operating on a global scale. Like, for example, there was a VAT on doing UA. So if you want to spend a marketing dollar on Facebook, mm. you'd have to pay 20% to the government, which is nonsense, wow. you know, given the economies of free to play. Yeah. Um, so that's why a lot of the companies have already moved out, uh, like yeah. before. And uh, to the point of, uh, you know, even if these companies have headquarters elsewhere, they still might be banned from operating in the West. Totally, you've seen, um, you know, Nexters, a big company with their title Hero Wars. Uh, they had a SPAC IPO last year, um, and they were delisted recently, even though like they have a lot of their presence in Cyprus, which is right. part of European Union. Um, yeah, so I think for a lot of the companies, now it's kind of a strategic uh, initiative to move a lot of their people to other countries. So the exposure to Russia or being tagged as Russian is reduced. Right. Yeah, I mean, similar to like C getting blocked from India, even though they're not really a Chinese company, but <laughs> yeah. they had some investment from Tencent and it's like, oh, we're going to block them anyway. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah, this can happen. Okay, so... Me, ho Maybe like um, a final set of questions I could ask you is more about like the future outlook. And certainly like, you know, um, the war's continuing. And, and, you know, I totally agree with you. I, I hate war, love people. Hopefully this thing resolves soon. But in terms of like the potential implications and fallout just from what we've already seen, um, how do you think about, well, maybe we could start with like the people, like, mm -hmm given all that's happened like in people already being even if you move them to let's say istanbul or somewhere in turkey or wherever like if you brought russians and ukrainians together um what is the where are people's minds at <laughs> like is, is it is it is there going to be some you know and again completely understood but like if would there be the potential for them to work together or what how do you view that just given what's what's happened i've been actually interviewing a ukrainian guy today who is right now involved okay. in Lvov, um and he knows that like 80 percent of uh, our guys are in um you know are russian so actually i don't think there is a you know i don't think there's obviously going to be extremes right there's always sure. going to be people on the extreme side of uh, of things but i don't see um given that you know game dev is uh, a liberal community um against yeah. usually against the war you know usually up for making games that might be about war but this is you know better play than do um so uh, i i don't think there's going to be a lot of problems in that sense obviously um right. You know, uh, Ukrainian people are not going to probably go to live in Russia and, uh, you sure. know, vice versa. Yeah. I think that's going to be right. kind of impossible, uh, given that, right. uh, you know, apart from game development community, there's a whole bunch of people who, for example, support war uh, for some reason or another. Um, right. And I think this, this, like, you know, intermingling between nations is definitely going to be put on hold, um, unfortunately. And this is really sad because I know a lot of businesses have, you know, close links. We all have relatives like, you know, I'm part Belarusian ethnically. I'm, I have some, you know, I have some Bulgarian blood in me. So I have some Finnish blood in me. This is like, this is, this region is really interlinked. Um, uh, and it's, it's going to stop. It's, it's, it's not going to be the same way for, I, I would say, many years. It's going to be a slow process of rebuilding trust um, if ever it will be rebuilt, you know. Um, 
but it's a possibility that you know Russians and Ukrainians work together, you know, in a location like you know Istanbul or Czech Republic or London, um, and that's what's already happening, right? Um, and when we meet there, we all know we are people. We have the same goals. We, you know, uh, people are people, as you say. Um, so that, that's kind of where I see the industry going. Like obviously, uh, with companies putting their strategic efforts into opening offices somewhere in Europe, uh, they would transfer people from Ukraine and from Russia to these locations. And I think people will be happy working uh, with each other. Um, this is this is basic humanity. You know, we're not gonna. I, I don't. I, I don't believe that people will uh, hold a grudge or like you know go against one another, saying, "Oh, you're a bastard," or right. "You're a bastard." Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I am with you, and I have the very same hopes that people can see through all that stuff and, you know, basically treat each other humanely. But um, so maybe the last question I have is like, given all that's happened, uh, in terms of the future outlook for game development in Russia, in the Ukraine, is it going to disperse out to other countries like Turkey, Poland, wherever? <clears throat> or how do you see the general outlook from your perspective? There are two, two scenarios that can happen, uh, I would mm -hmm. say. Uh, first scenario is that there is a government change in Russia, and then uh, you know everything changes drastically once again, and uh, okay. the you know, perception of Russia changes in the world. Uh, that's always a possibility, although I, I would say it's quite low percentage given the amount of security the government has and the amount of support it has by the people. Um, the second possibility is the realistic one, 97%, is that all these companies who can't afford it will move out and will continue operating on a much uh, more global scale. So if you take my studio, for example, uh, you know I was planning to make it international with our Series B um, to you know, open offices in Europe, in America, because you know, I realize that there is a power in terms of uh, cultural interaction, uh, people, from, people from different backgrounds interacting with each other and creating something beautiful. Um, this is, has to be fast forwarded. <laughs> this, has to, this has to happen now, not in my lofty future dreams where we have like already uh, you know, a few life games in production. Uh, right. So, so this is what's going to happen. I think uh, a lot of the studios are going to, you know, centrally relocate because so far it has been kind of um, more like financial support. So, if you feel that you are uncomfortable, we would give you money to kind of relocate to a place where you feel more comfortable. Uh, whereas, if you look into the strategic aspects of it, is that yes, studios are looking into where is it good to establish a you know, a permanent presence? Where can we get people to apply for visas? Where is it cost effective to hold the majority of people? Where is it cost effective um, to kind of uh, hold the executive level, et cetera, et cetera? So this is the right. questions that every single executive is asking themselves. And I've been speaking to a lot of them recently. Um, and this is what's on our minds. It's like, okay, where is now a permanent base for hype masters for, you know, other companies? Right. Uh, um, yeah. This is our future. Where where I think a lot of the people are going to be uh, less associated with Russia, unfortunately. Got it. Okay. Well, for our audience, you you heard Boris. If you are in Russia or the Ukraine, please do apply. I'll leave Boris's contact information in the show notes. And for anyone out there in Russia or Ukraine, if you want to come work for our FPS shooter company in India, you can contact me. But. Uh, I think that's all the questions I have, Boris. If do you have any 
sort of like um, you know final message or any any other any other thoughts to tell the audience? Uh, my final message is just uh, you know uh, if you're an executive, please continue to support your people in need, to assist with relocation and payments. And, you know, uh, if you're an investor, do not cancel on deals or, you know, <laughs> uh, unfollow on what you have promised uh, to your companies. Things are going to work out. Uh, things are going to get back to normal because they always do. It, like war has never been, you know, a persistent mode of people. It's war, peace, war, peace. And hopefully peace will be achieved soon. And, you know, continue to being, uh, be a person, a kind person, a good person, no matter who you're facing. Um, and, yeah. Talent is hard to come by nowadays, and it's important to you know realize that preserving this talent is important like never before. Um, and you know, if you have Russian employees, if you have Ukrainian employees and Belarusian employees, try to try to keep them and try to help them. Right. Okay, Boris. Thank you so much for all of your insights, all of your thoughts. I definitely wish you great luck on your game. From what I saw, it looked really good. And so with that, to our audience, we'll catch you next time. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye.